Priebus and Spicer are out, and Sessions looks hurt. Can Team Bannon recover, or is it game over? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, covering the biggest stories of the week from a libertarian perspective. And a very big story here at WSB was the blockbuster performance of WSB listeners in the Carathon, breaking the record and raising $1.75 million for the Affleck Cancer Center, which uh, um, is dedicated to curing childhood cancer. So we're super excited about that. Thank you to all the listeners. And uh, we have a, we had a quite, noisy week in the news there were i can't talk about everything so i always try to pick what i think are the most important stories and lately i've noticed that there there's quite often two stories the actual important story and then the noisy story so this week there were two stories like that one was that john mccain rose from the ashes from phoenix and he uh scuttled Obamacare reform for the Republicans. I think uh, he did exactly what they wanted him to do. I want to talk about that. And the other thing, the noisy thing, was that the White House Chief of Staff, Rance Priebus, is replaced by uh, the Homeland Security Chief, Kelly. Now, for me, the obviously more important uh, story is the McCain story, because... Uh, I've been taught since 2013 when Ted Cruz actually had a plan that would have kicked the can on Obamacare down the road. I just kept saying they should do it. The Republicans were viciously attacking him for that. I remember Peter King in New York was just viciously attacking him for doing that, saying, oh, it would never work. And I I remember at the time looking into it, talking about it on the air, it would have worked. And I argued on the air that you cannot let it get implemented or we will never, ever get rid of it. And since the whole plot from the beginning was to make it a Trojan horse for single-payer health care, that is a government-run health system, when it fails, that letting it get a foot in the door was a disaster. And it, and it was in the Republicans' control several times to defeat it. John Roberts was a Republican appointee. He was the deciding vote on the Supreme Court saying it was a tax. When he said it was a tax, it automatically invalidated it because it originated in the Senate. Yet the Republicans did not sue on that. Uh, and the Supreme Court wouldn't hear it, by the way, when it, a private entity sued. There were a lot of different times where these guys could have scuttled Obamacare and they didn't. And this time, I feel like... Uh, you know, and they always cut the vote really close, so it looks like they fought the good fight and just couldn't get it done. I really don't believe that. I think it's a setup. So these, uh, the Senators Collins and um, Murkowski were the ones who were always going to vote against anything because they're, you know, like Obamacare, I guess. Because what Collins said was, once it's entrenched and people depend on it, you can't take it away, which is exactly what I was saying four years ago uh, when Peter King was arguing that it'll be a great way to win elections, <laughs> you know, for the entire Obama term, 
which it did. But what's the point of winning elections if you end up with Obamacare anyway? So they needed another vote and uh, another person not to vote for it. And McCain, who was recently diagnosed with brain cancer, came back and cast that vote. And in my opinion... I know he was always the guy was uh, you couldn't count on anyway, but I feel like they it, it had been Rand Paul who was the third spoiler. But I guess he got let off the hook. I really don't understand. Um, I agree with him that Trump care, the Obamacare light was not a good plan, but uh, I don't think he wanted to be the guy to spoil it. And now that it looks like John McCain's political career is clearly I would say is clearly coming to an end uh, that he's kind of taking this on his shoulders on the way out the door. And and I thought even that was kind of interesting because I've been highlighting this pattern I've noticed of that. I, I coined it on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Monica Perez show. I have a hashtag hashtag WTWOF. <laughs> it's not vulgar. It stands for what to watch out for. And my little thing that I'd noticed was that going down in a blaze of glory is the new golden parachute. Like Roger Ailes left, got his money, left Fox, got his money, and uh, left uh, ensconced in scandal. Acted like there was a big scandal there. Maybe there was. Bill O'Reilly did the same thing. I think he still got his money, but uh, they, and then Roger Ailes died, and I guess Bill O'Reilly's retired. They are using these kind of dramatic moments, a dramatic moment, the end of somebody's career, and they're saddling uh, them with an excuse to do something radical that they could not otherwise do. It's kind of like the Rahm Emanuel doctrine of today uh, to, you know, to use these events, these dramatic events to get something done that they couldn't otherwise get done. And in the case of Fox, I think they want to move Fox to the middle, which would be to the left of where it is, because it's or even further to the left of where it is. It's uh, as far as being fiscally conservative, you know, I just, uh, Fox is not my thing. But I think Rupert Murdoch is like that. Like, if you look at his foreign entities, Sky News, stuff like that, they are uh, to the left. And then I think they're going to do the same thing uh, with the Democrats. Take the Ossoff loss, a spectacular failure. They've linked him to Pelosi the whole time. They're going to use this as an excuse to lurch to the left. Get rid of Pelosi. She'll leave in a, you know, go down in, a, in flames and... They'll uh, use it as an excuse to lurch to the left because Bernie Sanders is a winner and all that. I just feel like that's what's going on here and that they're exploiting John McCain's illness. I don't think that he minds because I think he's about as deep state an actor as you can get and always has been. I think his father was, too. So I, I don't think he minds, but I think that that's what's happening, that this is a show and that the Republicans don't really... Certainly, they don't want to get rid of national health care, federal health care, that's for sure. So uh, I guess, you know, it doesn't really matter if they have um, Obamacare to control. I don't even know if they care about control, uh, you know, of the White House as long as they have their fiefdom. So I think there's a lot of politics going on there, a lot of optics, as they say. And then you fold in the big story about the White House shakeup. And Rance Priebus, the chief of staff, stepping down and being replaced by Kelly uh, Scaramucci, the new communications director. Boy, do we have stuff to talk about with this guy. He just, I, I mean, it's like he had a break with reality. Like he called Priebus a psychotic, but he sounded like a psychotic. It's very strange. I smell a rat. But that whole thing that happened this week all, was absolutely got the majority of the news. 
to me, that was uh, folded into the healthcare story in two different ways. One, it's, it was a distraction from how serious that actually was, because these guys are going out on break now, uh, and they were supposed to get it done before that in D.C., uh, but it also sets up this excuse for Trump's failure to meet live up to his campaign promises. It gives cover to the Republicans for failing to live up to their seven uh, years of campaign promises to get rid of Obamacare because they're presenting this whole thing as a chaotic White House that uh, it, I, I heard Jake Tapper actually say it. They now like spoon feed you what you're supposed to hear. And what he said was uh, Rance Priebus, because of all this tension, was unable to go twist arms in Congress and the Senate to get, you know, Obamacare's repeal and replace and to do Trump's bidding. And all this mania at the White House is really crippling any ability to get any policy stuff done. And that's, I think, what this is being used for, among other things. So I want to get into that because I did my entire show last week on Obamacare. So if you want to hear my views, the listeners' views, go to my website, uh, one of my websites, propagandareportdaily.com. You can find all of my commercial-free podcasts there. Uh, and so, but I do I do want to kind of switch gears and talk about this, this uh, Scaramucci thing and all the drama, not because, you know, it's like People Magazine, but, be- well, it is kind of like, worse. People Magazine would not print what the New Yorker said that Scaramucci said. So I want to know what you think about this guy, Scaramucci. Are you buying it? You you buying into the mooch and his whole, the whole package he's bringing to the table? 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'll take your tweets also, at Monica Perez Show. My producer Binkley is here with some, uh, I think we've got... Some on-point tweets I happened to notice before we went on the air. Give that. What you got? Give me one. Well, Joe Nobody, he says, I like Scaramucci. He's a good, no political BS guy. <laughs> uh, you know, I did see that, and, and I couldn't. I thought, oh, my gosh, that's that was one of those spoon-fed memes that I got earlier. And I, and I um, remember where that came from. It was so... The Scaramucci article, the article we're going to talk about, the thing that made the news was um, a phone call he made to a reporter at The New Yorker, because that's the guy you want to call and lose your mind to, a reporter for The New Yorker, a <laughs> guy with credibility, who's definitely not going to keep his mouth shut. Uh, and and if you go to the original article, the very last paragraph in that article had um, said Scaramucci went on CNN. I don't have it in front of me, but... Oh, I do have it in front of me. He went on CNN and he said... Uh, he said, the article says, Scaramucci then made a plea to viewers. Let me tell you something about myself, he said. I am a straight shooter. So these, this, they're setting up an image for this guy. And uh, there are a couple of very obvious elements to this, this psychological operation. I got to say it, the PSYOP, that's what it is. Uh, and I think it is uh, certainly from what I've seen, largely working. I don't think people, as preposterous and ridiculous as his rantings came across as, I think most people are taking it on face value. I'm not, of course, so let's let's talk about it. Are you? 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez, on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. 83 degrees outside the studio, a 10 on the Mellish meter. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate 
heating and air. And we are uh, talking about a couple of things. I think the two big stories this week were Obamacare, uh, McCain scuttled Obamacare repeal, and uh, the shakeup in the White House. And I actually think they're related. I think the shakeup is a distraction and an excuse for policy failures, and I'm willing to talk about both of those things. So whatever you want to talk about, uh, you know, in that little box, 404 872 1-800-WSB-TALKER. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I am going to Mark on line one. Hi, Mark. You're on with Monica. Hey, how are you doing, Monica? Good. Uh, and I got to say, it was a pleasure getting a chance to meet you a while back at a Liberty on the Rocks event. Oh, fun. Uh, yeah, isn't that super fun? Yeah, you know, and, you know, it, it's nice to see, you know, that there are people who are energetic for the cause of liberty and, and people who, uh, you know, understand what's going on. Uh, you know, although sometimes it, it feels like maybe these events are much too small. Uh, but, uh, anyways, I just thought I'd, you know, offer my thoughts about, um, Trump trying to, you know, reshuffle his administration. Yeah, what you got? Yeah, I, I really don't care what he does to try to lipstick the pig. You know, he's never going to be able to appeal to me, and I'm not some left-wing Hillary Clinton fan. I, I see both parties as destructive uh, towards the, the end of uh, liberty. Um, you know, it, and I'm not so certain that uh, you know the, the Republican uh, Party failing to you know pass the so-called repeal bill through the Senate. Uh, was necessarily some kind of policy failure uh, for Trump or, or a problem uh, on Trump's part. My guess is he probably planned it that way. Yeah, I agree so with that. It, yeah. So that it wouldn't go to his desk. So now Trump can pose as uh, the, the the good guy here because you know it, even when he gets, I mean, he gets. Oh, he I didn't see yeah. a couple mm-hmm. things that I agree with, like on climate change or whatever. There's too many other issues that, you know, I'm sorry, I can't overlook, and nobody will address these. I'll give you a good example, Monica. Okay, and I say this as somebody, once upon a time, I chauffeured Pat Buchanan. But if I had time to sit down and, and look at this, I realize when you have Republicans who support things like the Patriot Act... Yeah, you know, I got I got to take a break. I'm sorry. I wish I could... Uh, we'll talk about, yes, they, they are not doing the cause of liberty any good. This is Monica Perez taking... Hang on, David. He wants to talk about Obamacare, too. Uh, 404-872-0750 or at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. I try to give you the libertarian perspective. Maybe it's just my perspective on the biggest stories of the week. And this week it was Obamacare. John McCain scuttling the Obamacare repeal, skinny repeal, whatever. I can't even keep track of it. I I personally am just a repeal repeal person. I don't want to replace it because it does not belong to the federal government. But whatever. So instead of having this conversation yet again, we're talking about, I don't mean us, although we are, but like as a nation, we're talking about, oh my gosh, Anthony Scaramucci is totally fighting with Rents Priebus and um, Rents Priebus got fired. So that's that's what our national level politics has come down to. And you know what? I'm going to talk about it because it's actually so shocking and unbelievable what has been going on that uh, I think we just have to expose it in the cold light of 
this can't be real. So uh, on that note, I will. I, I'm happy to talk about Obamacare, and I'm happy to talk about the uh, the drama in D.C. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to go to the calls in a second, but my trusty producer, Binkley, is here with a tweet or two. What do you have for me, Binkley? I have a tweet from N. He says... Does the pick of a general seem like an odd choice for chief of staff? Seemed weird to me, but thanks to, uh, he just sent that tweet, but my earlier I saw a tweet from Casey's mom where uh, she she knew I'd been, t- I tweet a lot. I have great tweets at Monica Perez Show. It's Fantastic. Worth, it, they really are. It's worth joining Twitter to tweet with us because we just, there's like, if you don't know Twitter, there's a little, you could just tweet to each other and then, uh, you don't have to like sort through thousands of tweets. So we just kind of tweet with listeners and stuff. And uh, so I was tweeting about how I've been on this mission to keep people keep talking about this Russia hacking scandal, which they call the Russia hacking scandal and not Russia gate. Like everything is Russia gate, email gate, name a gate, Bankley, bridge gate, bridge gate. Exactly. Everything's a gate. Uh, so, but Russia is not Russia Gate, because in my opinion, because it is it is actually literally storyboarded, written out in advance to parallel Watergate, at least superficially. And I noticed this. I mean, when Trump tweeted, "Comey better hope there are no tapes." I mean, it was that was so obvious that it was going to be a Watergate thing, and the and the parallels have just kept on coming. So much so that I finally finally decided to just stop down and really figure out Watergate and make a list, a timeline of all the things that are parallel so far and, and things that aren't, haven't happened yet. And if, if I can identify those things, then we'll just see them happen. You know, possibly a couple of them will probably happen because I really think that this is, uh, it's, it's crafted in advance. And in my studies, so I was totally derailed by this for days, and it, but it was fascinating. In my studies, I came upon this book called Silent Coup, and I posted on my website, PropagandaReportDaily.com, an hour-long book notes interview with the guys who wrote it, and it is unreal. I just ordered the book. I can't wait to read it. They said they basically cracked the code on Watergate and echoed some of the things that I had um, already kind of sensed. But one thing I didn't know that they insist on, and nobody else talks about this, I've never heard anybody else say it, but they feel they have the smoking gun evidence that Alexander Haig was deep throat. He had worked with Woodward in Bob Woodward, the reporter, uh, in the Navy. Bob Woodward and Steve Bannon had a lot of parallels also. They were both had the same position at the Pentagon in the Navy. They both went into the media after that. They both had the Ivy League background. So Woodward denies it, but these guys have proof that he used to brief Alexander Haig. So he had a very close relation or a trust, a trusting relationship with Alexander Haig. He thinks he was the guy who's leaking. But Nixon never realized it, so he made Alexander Haig his chief of staff after uh, Haldeman, the guy who was brought down by Watergate, was pushed out. So I think Alexander Haig was the last, according to the article Casey's mom sent me, the last time a general was in in the chief of staff position. And yeah, it seems a little, it it seems ominous. It seems fitting with what I've been noticing is like a real military footing that we're moving towards. The day that Scaramucci was announced as the new White House communications director, uh, Sarah 
Sanders, is that her name? Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She, before she introduced him, she said something I thought was quite shocking. She said Trump is the first person to really examine our defense industrial complex since Eisenhower, which is such what Binkley has taught me the word dog whistling, where they say something that'll just make a certain segment of the population go crazy. You know, like my ears, I was like, oh, stop, stop, my ears hurt. (laughs) Because Eisenhower introduced us to the expression, the military industrial complex, and warned us against it. And here is Trump focusing on it. Um, Unless this is all a show, I feel like the Russia hacking scandal, all the negativity that's coming out about Russia, our return to manufacturing, to independence, to reeling in the trade thing, the deficits, all that stuff, unless it's just a show, all that stuff smells of war, of a buildup to war. And, uh, And maybe for the same reasons... We had World War One and World War Two, which was supposedly by another great book I'm reading, Conjuring Hitler. Man, is that a good one? That the whole point is for the Anglo-American, you know, um, alliance to make sure Germany and Russia do not team up because that would kind of unify, and of course with China, um, unify that that big landmass that is such a threat to the sea powers. So. So if you look at it, us against Russia, you know, and all these behaviors, they do smack of that pattern from the past. Now, you know, I feel like we're always being propagandized, so maybe that's a false lead. But there's a lot, um, you know, there's a lot of these old things coming up. So to have a general right there in the White House, it's maybe a way for for those guys to have kind of high-level, more military-minded conversations without... Uh, you know, without people noticing that there's, you know, <laughs> Trump keeps meeting with the generals, you know, who knows? It's it's an interesting question. But uh, I am going to go to some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And uh, you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to David and coming. Hi, David. You're on with Monica. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Long time listener, first time caller. Okay, great. Um, I wanted, yeah, um, I wanted to talk to you about Obamacare. I mean, while I disagree with it in principle, I don't believe that you can mandate certain things for you know, the general population. I cannot, I'm conflicted because I cannot deny that it's been beneficial to me. I'm a full-time college student. I'm also working full-time. In addition, I have several pre-existing conditions. And without Obamacare, it would be very difficult for me to be able to continue my education and afford, and afford health insurance. What did you do before Obamacare? Well, before Obamacare, I was still on my parents' policy, but you know, still I'm, I am, um, I'm on the last few years of you know college, but with pre-existing conditions, it was still kind of difficult to become to get insurance for my family because my mother and my father also have pre-existing conditions. However, I wanted to know, like, do you think it's possible that we'd be able to have a free market solution and still be able to cover pre-existing conditions? Uh. Yeah, I think for me, uh, the way I I answer that question is this: what what if that's really your question? The what is insurance? Insurance is when a bunch of people with the same risk profile, the same likelihood of an unexpected, uncontrollable event, is going to happen. So I had a child with Down syndrome. I was in a low risk category because I was young. If 
if there weren't social services, people always tell me, but without social services, I could never support my, not, not me, but, you know, other moms who have children with Down syndrome. And insurance can address even that. You take a bunch of 25-year-old people, every, you know, a million of them, everybody puts 100 bucks into the pot, and whoever gets Down syndrome kids gets that, the entire $100 million, you know, or however many people... They split it. So that's what insurance is for, and that's how it works. If you already have an existing, uh, an existing condition, what you're talking about is medical care that you can't afford. And that is not an insurance. That's not the object of insurance. That's the object of uh, if you're you know, left-leaning, you think that's a government safety net thing. And if you're right-leaning, you think it's a uh, charity, charity thing or family thing. So you, you have to come step back and categorize things properly so that you can address them properly and then uh but but i would say the biggest problem with the high cost and unaffordability of health care is that the government uh that the government has medicare and medicaid enforced insurance and all these rules and um won't let you have simply catastrophic health care they won't let you break out your categories quite that finely that it creates this uh, over demand for health care to uh, people go even when they wouldn't go if they were paying for it themselves. And this has a tremendously inflationary effect on the price of health care. So you, you're in a position where ordinary illnesses, yes, you say pre-existing condition, um, they cost much more. They, they actually then become unaffordable for ordinary people, even though uh, in, a, in a free market system, the cost of these things would plummet. And then the few people who are left who really have an extremely expensive thing and really cannot afford it, there's so much surplus from the wealth that's created by eliminating the inefficiency, the waste, uh, the redistribution of wealth, all that all of that costs a tremendous amount compared to the few people who would actually need some help. And then, of course, institutions would arise in the community that address that, not by force. So I, I feel like we have the capacity. Human nature is such that these things would be um, addressed and the price would be lower and that we should fade in any case, even if you wanted to address it at the state level, which would be constitutional. There's an absolutely no reason to address it at the federal level. Any state has millions of people in it. That's enough of a pool to handle these if you consider it a community problem any way you want or not at all at the state level. So I think it's just a, a basic background philosophy um, that we differ. But thank you very much for the call. I'm going to Anthony in Marietta. Hey, Anthony, you're on with Monica. Hey, how you doing, Monica? Good. How are you doing, Anthony? I, I think you just, <laughs> I think you kind of just inadvertently answered my question. You, you, uh, I was going to ask you, why is it so hard? Like if the if the human spirit yearns to be free, then why is it so hard to teach free market economics to be like? Why don't people believe that market forces will drive prices down if they just repeal and don't replace it with anything? But listening to you give that explanation to that gentleman, I realize. And by the way, it seems like the more education you have, the 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 less likely you are to believe in free market economics. I'm sorry, I don't know why that is. I noticed that with I I'm like I, I have lots of very high degrees and when i go back it's much easier for me to talk to people this random group of people who are listening on the radio who call me regular people i talk to then if i go back and see the old investment bankers i work with and everything they just 
they don't accept the, the the common sense that I deliver. And I think they've gotten it in their heads that the system works for them. I've had people say that the system works for me. I've worked hard dependent on this system. You can't change it because then my whole source of income evaporates because the whole system changes. So they have too much invested in the system as it is. But Anthony, I'll give you a, okay, I got 30 seconds. Tell me what else you okay, got. Okay, yeah, I think you, I think, I think you just answered the question. When you try to explain to that guy, it, it just requires too much faith. You know what I mean? Like you can teach a, 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 a you can have a mathematical genius and you can teach a math formulas because it's concrete. But to teach, to, to have them believe that if a company is stripped of regulations, it, it, it wouldn't try to, you know, do something evil to you, it just requires too much faith. But you can't, and here's the thing, thank you so much, Anthony. The the thing is, in a free market system, uh, what you what you need is to enforce laws. You can't allow fraud. Like, people go back and say, John D. Rockefeller was bad, we need antitrust. It's like, he was bad because the government helped him rob people and defraud them out of their stuff and and. You know, make a, a conglomerate out of all these oil holdings that he tricked people out of. If they had just, if he hadn't captured the big power of government, and we just uh, stuck to basic laws of fraud and theft, then you would be protected at that level, and the competition that would arise would drive any bad actors out of business immediately. There would be a Yelp for insurance. I mean, you just, it wouldn't exist anymore. And that's how the free market works. All these government pr- regulations and stuff are actually protections, and they're ways for people to be defrauded. Oh my gosh, I'm totally past my break. <laughs> Hang on, Mark, you're next. Uh, you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Hi, I'm your libertarian voice on WSB. It is the eight. Uh, the high today is forecast at 87, 68 slow overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air, and I'm going to Mark. Mark, you are on with Monica. Hi, I just wanted to talk about the uh, new chief staff. Yeah, bring it. And uh, I do feel that there is uh, something ominous going on there. I do agree with you. Uh, to have somebody that close as an advisor to the president who is part of the homeland security and this whole military industrial complex is not a good sign. You know, yeah. uh, the whole uh, homeland security idea came from the Nazis during their Deutschland security. And really? You, oh, yes. Yeah, it's all part of history. Even the Patriot Act, that whole idea, you can look page, page for page, and it really matched up with what the Nazis had you know, uh, put the German population through. So to have somebody that close to the president and advising him is not a good idea. So I do agree with you with it being, you know, ominous. And this is probably the bigger story of the week rather than John McCain coming Oh, back. yes. Interesting, because I really... I didn't identify it like that. I, I didn't. I, I agree. That is what I said. And I noticed it just like in passing because I'm going back and forth on whether or not uh, this is real because so much so many things are distractions. Like it's hard to know what layer of the onion to kind of stop at. You know, I feel like one entity basically controls the world that they they actually brought the Eurasian continent to heal when like Rockefeller went into China and gave them weapons and technology that it was kind of all sewn up. I think Mao was like an adjunct student at Yale or some crazy stuff like that. Yes, yes. a lot of these uh, yes. students are, are tip- or these rulers are typically taught by European elites and whatnot. And 
it is uh, it is a major problem, and that's why propaganda is such a difficult thing to fight through. Like you said, it's a difficult thing to sit there and be able yes. to and pick up on. Well, I'm going to try my best to get through it. I, I um, want to squeeze you in. I don't have a lot of time. Um, let's keep this conversation going. It got deep fast. Thank you very much, Mark. Uh, give me a call, 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. We are, uh, we're going to continue this conversation about what's really going on at the top after the break. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.